Hello and welcome to this, the seventh episode in my series, The Parson and the Songmen, about the song collecting of the Reverend Sabine Baring Gould. In this episode I will talk about one particular song that Sabine completely rewrote because of its explicit content, but in so doing you will hear that he did preserve it in the end. So continuing to talk about the song collecting that the Reverend Sabine Beringold started in 1888 at the suggestion of his friend Daniel Radford, Sabine was then 54 years of age, both priest of the parish and squire of his estate, Lou Trenchard Manor in West Devon, husband to his wife Grace and father to their ever-growing family. Most people would think that that would be enough to keep any ordinary country parson busy. But then... The Reverend Sabine Baring Gould was anything but an ordinary country parson. In my opinion, he was extraordinary, with so many interests in what must have been a very busy life. He was a gifted storyteller and became a very productive novel writer, with at one time more novels in the British Library than any other author of his time. Author of biographies, books of travel, folklore and the Norse sagas, antiquities, books of devotion, and the lives of the saints in 15 volumes. In all in excess of 1,200 books, articles and pamphlets. Away from his pen and writing desk, he was a recognised Dartmoor antiquarian, archaeologist, justice of the peace, a member of the Devon Association, teacher and much more. As if those interests were not enough to keep him busy, he would then go on to spend the next 15 years, 1888 to 1903, collecting the old folk songs of Devon and Cornwall. Tramping around his beloved Dartmoor, on foot and travelling further afield, in his dogcart or horse-drawn carriage, seeking singers of the peasant class to sing their songs to him, take them down and preserve them. The term peasant may not be politically correct today, but back in the time when these songs were collected, we're talking about over 130 years ago, many of Sabine's singers would have been referred to as such. To illustrate the point of Sabine referring to someone as a peasant, being normal and not in a derogatory way, I will use the following passage from an interview titled Folk Songs and Melodies of the West, given by Sabine, from the Western Antiquity, published in December 1888, and Sabine said, I soon found that if I wanted the melodies, ballads and songs of our peasantry, I must get them from the peasantry themselves. Accordingly, I made inquiries, and began to collect from them. In about two months, I got about ninety with their proper airs, some very fresh, uh, bawdy, and original, some good but not of remarkable character and some commonplace. So some of the songs the peasantry sang were with no holds barred, what we would term as bawdy today. They did not fit in with, shall we say, the polite Victorian society, as I have mentioned in previous podcasts. There were songs that Sabine considered to be so bad They don't even appear in the notes of Songs of the West. Unlike Go From My Window, the song I sang in the third podcast, that did have an entry in the book's notes to the songs, even though its lyrics did have somewhat delicate content. 
Again, I refer to a passage from Early Reminiscences, where he wrote, As a great part of the words to some songs were obscene or indelicate, it became absolutely necessary for me to write fresh verses, to such as were not fit to be sung in a drawing-room. Unhappily, some of the most dainty airs were wedded to the most indicitous words. I had the example of Burns to justify me in this course, for he did precisely the same thing. Robert Burns was the means of rescuing some of the finest Scottish melodies from extinction, which but for him would have been dragged down to forgetfulness as being coupled to words too foul for Christian ears to hear or Christian lips to utter. It's here I feel we must pause and question the last statement. You may wonder why Sabine continues to collect the songs, some of which on hearing must have been shocking to him and against all his Christian values, yet he still continues to collect them. Well, because Sabine was aware that these songs were of historical value, linked to our past with their lovely tunes, even with words that were objectionable to him, they were, after all, stories of life in all its forms, agreeable to Sabine or not. According to research in 2018 by a team from Glasgow University led by Professor Murray Pittock, the following is from the team's research into Burns and its findings. Burns, one of the greatest editors of Scottish music. Burns has for too long been seen as author of Scots songs. But in fact, his greatest role was as an editor who collected, partially rewrote, tinkered with and on occasion wrote new words to traditional airs. Well, if the great Robbie Burns could do it, then why not Sabine Baring Gould? So to edit, alter, rewrite and tinker with lyrics as Burns had done, then Sabine was, it could be strongly argued, justified in the use of his pen. If he had not done so, then Songs of the West would never have been printed and would not have found its place on the piano of so many Victorian and Edwardian drawing rooms. Which then begs the important question... If Songs of the West had not been published, would Sabine's notebooks and manuscripts of the songs and their tunes survived? Would they have then had any chance of being discovered in the mid-twentieth century, brought back to life to be sung by singers like myself and many others to the then ever-growing audiences of the folk club circuit of 1960s England? Brought back to life they were in both their original and edited versions, thanks to Sabine's wish that these songs should be preserved for future use, to be sung and heard by future generations, not left in long-forgotten notebooks on a manor house library shelf. Sabine donated some of his fieldwork notebooks of the songs he had taken down to Plymouth Library at the beginning of the 20th century. So the songs with their original words as they were taken down from the singers are available to us today, along with copies of his alterations and of course his rewrites. From the opening note of the fair copy of Sabine's manuscripts in Plymouth Library, we read, I give these as near possible 
but singers sometimes vary the words and the airs slightly when singing at intervals of time. Also, where there have been four or five versions of the same, slightly varying, I have not always noted the differences. This was quoted from his letter printed in the edition of The Western Morning News, dated the 11th of January, 1900. What Sabine had donated to Plymouth Library amounted to just over 200 songs from his collection. It would be 90 years later that a greater number would be discovered found in storage in a Devon National Trust property. I'll talk more about this in a future podcast. Now to continue with my earlier reference to Robert Burns and Sabine's link to him with his preservation of one of the traditional Devon airs. He wrote the following, describing it as one of the most dainty airs, referring to the tune of the song Rosemary Lane, with words that are a prime example of a total song rewrite by Sabine. This is the song Rosemary Lane, and it's a track from my CD. I serve my apprentice in Rosemary Lane Where I had the goodwill of my master and dame A sailor came by with me wanted to lie And that was the cause of my misery The sailor was drowsy and he hung down his head And he asked for a candle to light him to bed I led him there too, as another might do Said he, pretty maid, come my bed now unto A silly young maiden, well I thought it no harm To lie in his bed to keep his back warm But what happened there I will never declare Though I wish that short night were lasted seven years Next morning so early the sailor repose And into me apron three guineas he throws Saying take of me store I five and six more A thousand times I that is over deplore And if it's a girl she shall sit at her ease And if it's a boy he will sail the salt sea In his tight little shoes and his ribbons and bows He will climb the high rigging when stormy winds blow So from the notes in Songs of the West to Rosemary Lane, Sabine wrote... The melody to Rosemary Lane was kept, as taken down by Mr W. Crossing from an old man on Dartmoor. The songmen, Roger Luxton and James Parsons, also sang Rosemary Lane to the same air. We therefore thought it well to put to our melody fresh words. But now, where did Sabine get the idea for the new song he created and titled The Blue Flame? Again, from further reminiscences, this time from the first book, 1834 to 1864, where he wrote, A prevalent superstition when I was a child was that a flame from the churchyard would travel along the lanes to the house of the one who was about to die, and tarry there till the death occurred. Then two flames would go side by side to the graveyard. 
the following ballad I wrote on this theme. It is original and not a traditional ballad. It was written to a beautiful and touching Devonshire air, wedded to a very gross set of words. And here is the blue flame. It's a song I felt could not be sung by me. It needed a feminine touch to do it justice in its presentation. I am fortunate in knowing Megan Temple, who, like me, sings at Bude Folk Club in Cornwall. Megan is a remarkable singer who sings ballads extremely well, as she does with this, The Blue Flame. My thanks to Megan and also to Mark Berridge, the manager of Butte Castle Museum and Heritage Centre, where the recording of The Blue Flame took place. In my opinion, this is brilliant of Sabine and his pen. He takes an old local superstition, then creates his sad tale into a song, now fit to be included in his Songs of the West. For me, the verses all have a poetic flow, it's the third verse, shows a gifted storyteller, and now a master songsmith with the words of the third line, with flicker and flare, why dance up my stare. With the new song, The Blue Flame, added to the tune of Rosemary Lane, it was acceptable to be included in the front of Songs of the West. 
to be sung and played on the drawing room pianos of the Victorian and later Edwardian middle classes. But the offending words of the verses to Rosemary Lane, ah, don't worry, they were safe in the archive of Plymouth Library, to be found and sung again in England's 1960s folk song revival. To continue to listen to these series of podcasts, please follow me on Buzzsprout, Spotify or Facebook, or wherever you download your podcasts from. This has been The Parson and the Songman. I'm Mike Bosworth. The producer of the series is John Tidball. Thank you for listening. Till next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>